0: I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. This morning we are continuing our, our study as we work through the letter to the Philippians. We started it in chapter one three weeks ago, and now we're ready to move on to chapter two, so we are making progress, I promise. <laughs> and the, the common theme in this study, and the kind of the overall title of this study that we have put together is Everyday Joy. And it is such a reminder as we go through our days, as we go through our weeks, as we we sometimes deal with difficult things. I had some difficult things that came up this week just in work, in in areas of my life, and it needed to be reminded that joy was still available. But it's there. Joy is there to be had. If we stopped to discuss the things that are wrong with this world, we'd probably be here for a while, right? (laughs) If we stopped to discuss all of the, the problems and the hardships that exist in this world, we would be here for a really long time. And what I would submit to you is that eventually, we would notice that each of the the problems that that we are pointing out each of the the issues that exist can be traced back to one specific point it can be traced back to selfishness if you you stop for just a moment and think of what's what's wrong in this world what's what's broken in this world, the the sadness and hardship that exists in this world, most of the time you're going to be able to follow that back far enough to see that it's due to selfishness. Have you ever had an experience where there was hurt and argumentative behavior in your family, your extended family, because somebody was being selfish? Selfish? Yeah, probably. For those of you in a marriage relationship, have you ever had a time where you were, you were fighting or, or there was a disagreement because of selfish behavior? This is not a time to answer or point fingers. Um, has there maybe ever been a time in a work environment where there was selfish behavior? Has there... And this doesn't happen at this church, but has there ever been a, a time where there's been drama in the church due to selfish behavior? Yeah, probably. So here's an interesting question. If we we probably said yes to all of those different points. At some point in our life, we've experienced all of those. What is the common denominator in every single one of those situations? you (laughs) what (laughs) no (laughs) that's not what we were supposed to be talking about no that that can't be the case but the the fact of the matter is it is so easy for me to to spot selfishness in everyone else (laughs) no i'm i'm not being selfish this is everything around me is is exhibiting selfish behavior but i am totally fine it's like that that cartoon of the dog that's in the burning down room, and it, he's just saying, "This is fine, everything's fine." <laughs> no, selfishness is a problem in my life, and church, selfishness is a problem in your life. I, I I'm not going to sugarcoat it, okay? I mean, I know, that, man, that's that's not the encouraging message of the day, right? But it's truth. Because we live in a fallen world, because we live in a world where sin exists, until we get to be with Jesus, we are going to have to deal with selfishness in this life. When things don't happen the way that we think they should, we become unsettled. When things don't happen the way we think they should, we start to make decisions where we're looking out for ourselves. We start to make bad choices. I want to ask for a commitment from you this morning as we, we go through this passage, as we, we go through this topic that's maybe a little less popular than, say, God's forgiveness of sin, <laughs> God's, God's blessing, God's, God's promises in your life. This morning we're talking about selfishness. But I I want to ask for a commitment from each one of you this morning. As we go through this passage, there are going to be the the temptations to think, man, I know exactly who needs to hear this message. (laughs) There's going to be that that thought in the back of your head, man, I I sure hope this person's listening today. Or I'm going to email this link to my so-and-so as soon as this is finished. We need to hear this message for ourselves today. I want you to hear it for yourself. I need to hear it for myself today. The path to unity, which we, we've been called to unity. We've been called to stand together. The, the path to unity is not waiting on everybody else to get in line with you. I mean that would be super nice if that was the case. And okay, guys, I'm here. Show up. But the the path to unity is not waiting on everyone else to align themselves with you. We're called to fight against personal selfishness as we work towards a servant's heart. In Philippians two one through four, I'm going to read it this morning. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. I just, I want to pause for just a second. I really like that idea. I mean, we don't talk like that anymore about completing joy if you think about what's going on in your life, there are opportunities for people, for us to complete other joy, other, the joy in other people's lives. And you don't think about that very frequently. I can do things. There are, are things that I have the opportunity to participate in that will complete the joy that exists in other people's lives. Starting in verse two, it says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What we have in this passage are reasons to fight against selfishness. Paul starts out the the second chapter with these reasons to fight a selfish attitude. He mentions four specific points that we can follow. He says that there's encouragement to be had in Christ. You should not need the acceptance of everyone else if you are confident that Christ has accepted you. You know that that feels like one of those church verses that's just pretty easy to say, yeah, okay, next. Move on. But but stop for just a minute. Do you believe what you just heard? Do you do you truly truly believe you do not need the acceptance of anyone else if you are confident that you have been accepted by Christ. The fact of the matter is a good portion of our life go, and effort in our life goes towards trying to be accepted by other people. If we stop and we look at our lives and ask what needs to happen? What needs to happen for there to truly be joy? We would probably very quickly point out, well, well, if this person here would change, if this circumstance here would change, if, if I could have this in my life, then then I could have joy. But the truth is, in recognizing that Christ has accepted me, that's all the joy I need. Sometimes, and this is an important note on this particular topic, it's, it's easy for us to take that to maybe too far of an extreme and say, well, I don't care what you think of me because Christ accepts me. And we now become the annoying follower of Christ. <laughs> that, that That's counterproductive to what we're trying to accomplish here, right? <laughs> Abundant and eternal life is promised to us. Just think about what that means for a minute. Abundant and eternal life is promised to us by the God who knows every Single thing about you. Not just the good things. God in heaven, who knows exactly who you are, decided to make eternal life available to you anyway. Wouldn't you think that that would equate to immediate disqualification? It should but by, by all accounts, God, if God knows everything about me and we know that he does, if he knows all of my thoughts, he knows all of the words that I've ever said, he knows all of the words I will ever say, he knows everything I have done and will do, and yet he still chooses to love me. He still chose to allow his son to come and die on a cross for me. Another reason that we fight against selfishness is that there is comfort from love. Through the the hardest times in this life, I mean, we, we're talking about a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul who's, who's been beaten and we, we went through that whole list of things that he's gone through that thank you, Jesus, I don't have to. But he has gone through all of these different things in his life and through all of it, he has had comfort. Why? Because he's just a positive thinker? No, no. If if you are relying on your own positivity to get through the hardships and difficulties of this life, you will be let down. We have comfort from the love of Jesus. I am comforted by a God who maintains a mesmerizing amount of love towards me. While we would choose to remove ourselves from a world that is in the state. If, if you were in the shoes of God and, and you created a creation in your own image and you loved them with everything that was in you and they chose to do the things that we have chosen to do, the, that we as a human being have chosen to do, you look at the the brokenness that has existed in this world from Adam to today, wouldn't you choose just to remove yourself? Wouldn't you choose just to say, man, we need to start over. I give up. You guys are not worth the trouble. I'm just just being honest. That's, That's what I would do. And yet we serve a God who says, I know who you are. I know what you have done. And my grace is sufficient. We're called to fight against selfishness through participation in the Spirit. Since all believers have been indwelled by the same Spirit, We're not supposed to be going different directions. And yet we do. This comes down to that that unity topic that we we covered a couple of weeks ago. This This is gonna be a recurring theme. It's not like we have different pieces of the Holy Spirit in us. And so one of us is going over to the left, one's going to the right, and everybody's just scattered doing every which thing. The same spirit that is in me is the same spirit that's in you. We are never going to be given directions that are contradictory to the word of God. So you need to be really, really careful when we start using words like God told me that God said that you need to because if those things don't line up with the word of God then more than likely that's just the tacos you had last night that is the requirement because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever that phrase can't be used as a tool to to stop other people from disagreeing with you have you ever been in that situation You can't have a conversation when, when somebody decides to, to press their point by by taking the Lord's name in vain is really what it is, and saying that, that God told them that that we need to set up the chairs this way instead. Really? <laughs> okay. As we've gone through these last few verses over the past few weeks we've seen this this focus on the trinity of god and and my goodness if if we're going to really delve into what it means to be three in one god then you guys need to like clear your schedules for the rest of the afternoon because we're going to be here for a bit but as we've gone through the the verses in the book of philippians we we see examples of the Trinity God, the Triune God, the Godhead. What did the Father say about His Son? After Jesus was baptized, the, the dove came down. He said, This is my Son. I'm so proud of Him. I love Him. You should listen to what He has to say. He was not being selfish and holding His own glory, He was, he was pointing to the Son. And then if we look at the Father, what did the Son say about the Father? He says, I don't do anything unless my Father in Heaven tells me to. And we look at what Jesus uh, says about the Holy Spirit. He says, you think it's good hanging out with me. Just wait until you see the Holy Spirit. It is going to be awesome. That's the gospel according to Matt. Um, And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit points back to the Father. The Holy Spirit points back to the sacrifice of the Son. In the Trinity of God, we see these examples of unselfish behavior where they're pointing back to one another. They don't need to talk about their own glory because it's already there. They don't need to justify themselves. But what we see in this relationship of these three in one is a template of what an unselfish life looks like. Another reason is is that we're called to affection and sympathy. God showers us with steadfast affection. And genuine sympathy to remind us that He hasn't given up on us, that should be encouraging. Again, we go through life; we have difficulties, we have hardships, difficult things are going to come up. There has never once been a time, there has never once been a circumstance where God's affection changed for you. Do you know that? There has never once been a time where God said, well, I'm gonna love you a little less for that now, but that's okay. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means that his love never changes. And sometimes it's, it's very easy for us to say in the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty, it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's great that, that God loves me and he's asking me to, to remember joy. You know, he can have joy while he's up in his, you know, heavenly high-rise apartment looking down at me, but I'm in the middle of it. Maybe you guys don't ever think like that, but... <laughs> But if you stop for just a moment, have you ever felt betrayed? Jesus did. Maybe you're going through physical pain. Have you, have you ever felt physical pain before? Jesus did. Have you maybe been abandoned or mistreated by your family? Jesus was. Hebrews 4.15 says that he can sympathize with our weakness. And why can he sympathize with our weakness? Because he has been there. That is the example that we are called to follow. The weaknesses, the hardships that we experience in our life, they're not there for no reason. They're there so that we can sympathize with others and we can say there is a way There is hope. There is light at the end of this. Why is it so important that we recognize these reasons that that Paul keeps calling out? Because you don't have to fight for your own interests because Christ already died for them. I don't have to fight for my own best interest because God says, I got that taken care of. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I will give you everything that you need. Like that song that we we sing, my grace is enough for you. I have a new life. I have been redeemed. I have an eternity. Paul tells the church that he's writing to them so that they can oppose selfishness and and use that, that term that I love, that completing his joy, that they need to be of the same mind. They need to be united together. As a church, our joy can't be complete if we think that it's contingent on other things. We have to all have the same mind. We have to have the same love, we have to have the same purpose. What that means is that it's not about me competing for what I want in this place. It's not about me competing for what I want in the Church of Jesus Christ. It's not about you getting what you want. It's about both of us coming together, sharing the heart of God and saying, "God, I want what you want in this place." Now it's important to recognize that unity is not uniformity. We're not supposed to all be exactly the same. That would be weird. But it is unidirectionality. We're all supposed to be going the same place. That's what unity is. Unity is come alongside with me, come with me as we go this place. Yes, your journey is gonna look very different from mine. And why is that? Because you're a different person. You've had different experiences. You have had different hardships. Your struggles are different than my struggles. But what I can tell you is that we will all go to be with Jesus if you have made that choice and accepted that sacrifice that was made for you. We need to be united as we pursue something bigger and greater than ourselves. So, it's not a matter of all of you getting in line with me. It's not a matter of me coming to you and getting in line with you. It is a matter of all of us getting in line with Jesus. So, how do we stop selfishness? Paul gives us the answer. He says, Stop being selfish. (laughs) noted (laughs) so if we're just not selfish then that will solve this problem so have a good week and uh, let's just get that done that that's Paul's recommendation to this process is is just don't be selfish if your greatest concern is your personal agenda then you are not going to be able to experience God's fullness in your life and again, I, I know sometimes this, this maybe feels like a little bit of a downer message, but it, it's the truth. If you are unable to focus on anything other than your own personal agenda, how can you expect to experience the fullness of God in your life? God has so much more for you than that. Following Jesus is not about putting my own needs, wants, and desires first. Following Jesus is about putting Jesus first. The Trinity is pointing to one another. They're celebrating one another. We spoke about the one another's, right? That that first week that we started this, if if we look at the New Testament, there's all of these different commands that we are to love one another. We're to serve one another one another. We're to build up one another. We're supposed to do all of these things to one another. You can't follow Christ if you are trying to do it by yourself. And you also can't follow Christ if you just expect everyone else to serve you. Ooh. It would be weird if somebody came up and said, hey, I I, I have a word from God that we need to serve one another, and I love all of you, and I, I want to give you the opportunity to serve me, and these are the the ways that you can do that. How would we? How, how would you react to that? Right? You're like, uh, what? <laughs> it's weird, and yet, hold on for just a second, because subconsciously, we kind of do that. (laughs) Sure, you know, you don't come and stand up here and say, God says that you're supposed to do these nice things for me. However, there are a number of circumstances where we kind of manipulate our way in so that people are doing nice things for us, so that we are being blessed. And what Paul is saying here is, stop trying to advance yourself yourself. so that you can focus on what is greater. We've talked about before how the the sins in our lives can, can all be traced back to pride, can all be traced back to selfishness. It's being traced back to, I know better than God, and I deserve this more than you do. There is an interesting quote that I, I found. It says, if you truly know yourself, humility should not be a difficult trait to pursue. If you truly know yourself, humility should be really easy. It's hard to practice humility if you think you are the greatest of all time. If you look at yourself truthfully, you're going to know these are the areas in my life where I struggle. This is a weakness that exists in my life. But through the grace of God, I will overcome. Following Jesus means that, that I should live in such a way that every other person is more important than myself. And we kind of look at that and say, well, well, what about like 80%? What about like 80% of people are more important than me? That's not what it says. I will tell you, I will confess to you this morning, very often I live my life in a way that says maybe 80% is fine. That's not the calling that has been placed on our lives. In Christ, I have received what I did not deserve. So I should be able to give to other people what they don't deserve. If we stop this morning and you you look at your life and you say, God, remove... the areas of selfishness that exist, that is not gonna work. God's not gonna just show up and say, here, let me, let me get rid of all of these things in your life so that you, you aren't selfish anymore. That's, that's not how it happens. It's a choice that we have to make. We could say, God, help me to find the areas in my life that need to be addressed. Help me point out the, the spots in my life that, that I need to recognize A lack of humility. God help me to decrease so that you can increase. As we move to our ministry time, again, we're gonna do something similar to what we did the other the other day, where we're gonna start our ministry time with just a pause. I want us just to quiet our hearts, quiet our voices. And we're going to just wait for a moment and say, ask God to to point out, to reveal the areas of our hearts, the areas of our lives that, that need to be touched, that need to be reshaped, that need to be molded into his image. Heavenly Father, we come this morning, we ask for your heart. God, we ask for your mind. God, shape us and change us and mold us into your image. God, I want to be like you. And God, there are areas of my life that aren't. We could, we could stay here all day discussing the areas of my life that aren't. And, but God, I ask that you would show me I ask that you would, would reveal to the people here this morning, God, that, that are willing to, to lay down their rights, they're willing to lay down their pride for your promises. God, we choose as a church body, as, as a family of believers, to not strive against one another, but to strive for your kingdom. Help us to stand in unity. Stand firm with one another. To support one another. To encourage one another. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today.